0: Great to welcome in Local News Live, Peter Zampa and Kristen Casper, MMJs for our Washington, D.C. Bureau for Gray TV. You're covering the Supreme Court as they begin hearing oral arguments on Monday. What can we expect for this upcoming fall session?
1: Well, the plan as of now is to have justices back in the courtroom. That's the biggest first thing that everyone's excited about because uh, since the pandemic began, obviously, what they had everything remote. So the the justices would call in, reporters would listen in, attorneys would make everything remote. As uh, listening into a few of those that got a little hairy I'm sure they're glad to get back into normal proceedings and I mean if you've ever followed one of these court cases in the room, it's very quick the justices like to cut people off as soon as it happens, and as you can imagine, over zoom that's a little bit tougher so I think people are excited to be back in the courtroom. One hitch that we just found out uh, today. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh tested positive. Apparently he has no symptoms, but that kind of calls into question how many justices will actually be in the room on Monday. Um, I personally don't know yet. The latest is still up in the air, but CDC protocols would indicate that he won't be in the room. So (laughs) we won't have a full slate, but oral arguments are back. Um, Still gonna be minimal crowd inside the courtroom, still gonna be attorneys really associated directly with the case. For instance, I spoke to someone who's technically on the docket, but he won't even be able to be in the courtroom. So it's still gonna be a smaller crowd, But I I think the point is that everyone's happy that we are finally back in the courtroom. Does being back
0: in the courtroom potentially expedite the conversation or is it simply, okay, this makes it easier for everybody to get their viewpoints across. And as you mentioned, sometimes uh, people I think will be maybe
1: more detailed in in their discussions. I think everything is easier in person. (laughs) I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, Whenever you're talking to anyone, the conversations just go a bit smoother. They go a bit quicker. And as I said, these justices love to cut you off as soon as you start speaking. So if they're having to do that over Zoom, that can get a little frustrating, I'm sure. And maybe the attorneys speak a little longer than, they're, than, than the justices want them to. So this will definitely just bring it back to a classic Supreme Court oral argument situation where they get to speak and they'll get cut off and it'll just be much more personal. And The discussions begin on Monday. Peter, what cases are you covering? Yeah, so I personally on Monday am following Mississippi versus Tennessee. Now it's a groundwater fight between the two states. A uh, city of Memphis pumping operation, according to the Mississippi uh, side of things, it took about 252 billion gallons of groundwater, and Mississippi is effectively saying, "No, that's our water." Usually these cases are settled pretty quickly, um, and the remedy is usually something like, "Well, just cut down on how much you're using, and we'll go from here." But uh, the the expert I spoke to, the interesting thing about this case. Mississippi is claiming this groundwater is theirs. They're saying it's their property and they want the remedy to be hundreds of millions of dollars from from Tennessee. So it's an interesting case. It's unique. It's not it's not one of those that you usually hear in the in the big headlines, but it could have you know, widespread ramifications. Yeah, I think a lot of times those cases that people maybe don't have their eyes on are the ones that do make that huge impact. What is at stake in this particular case? Yeah, so according to the expert I spoke to, he, he says a lot is at stake. And uh, when you think about some of these uh, neighboring states who have fights across borders, you don't always think about things like groundwater that's actually under underground. And Mississippi is saying, well, we have a right to 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 get money for this. And my expert is telling me that means if they are if, if the justices side with the state of Mississippi, that means they could potentially sell this groundwater in the future if 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 the decision is made that. You're allowed monetary relief for this kind of thing. You have to think, well, okay, well, then I can go ahead and take this groundwater and go sell it to another state and profit off it. And and he's worried the expert that I spoke to is worried that, you know, they might, if you have a budget shortfall and you want to fill it, go ahead and sell some groundwater. So he's saying that this could spread and and give a lot of states a lot of ideas on what to do with groundwater. And I should mention that this groundwater is in an aquifer that spans multiple states, and Mississippi is, you know, the brunt of it but this is an interstate water system, and they're saying they own it. So it's, it's causing a lot of environmental uh, questions. And it's interesting. It's a bit complicated, but it is it is interesting and could have some consequences. Now switch over to Kristen Casper. Kristen, which case are
0: you covering on Monday?
2: Following uh, wood in v. United States, it's a, a criminal case, which isn't that common for the Supreme Court to take up, but this one is taking a look at the meaning of language established in the Armed Career Criminals Act. And basically there's a statue in that law that provides sentence enhancements, 15 years or more to life, to felons who convict certain crimes with firearms more than three times. Now, uh, the defendant, William Wooden, is a a Tennessee felon who was arrested in 2014 for being in possession of a firearm. But to understand his case, you kind of have to go back to 1997 when he broke into a storage facility that contained 10 different units he pled guilty to 10 counts of felony burglary there, but after his 2014 arrest, that's when the government sort of stepped in and handed him an enhancement of more than 15 years. Now, his lawyer argues that the burglary should be considered the same occasion since they were part of the single episode, and should he, he should not have received that sentence enhancement.
0: What could be the impact of this particular case?
2: Yeah, so if the courts find that Wooden's burglaries were part of uh, one occasion instead of 10, he could eventually be resentenced without that enhancement. And his lawyer says that he could walk away with time served. Of course, this is a Supreme Court case. It sets precedent. Uh, That means that other felons in a similar situation can be resentenced as well and also be given reduced sentences. I gotcha.
0: Now you said in the beginning that it's infrequent that the Supreme Court looks at criminal cases Uh, could this potentially set a precedent, especially with a new group or a relatively new group of justices? Or is this maybe just a one-off that we're not likely to to see happen frequently in the future?
2: You know, I'm not sure on that, but it is interesting about this case that the court picked it up because Wooden's lawyer says that Wooden filed the paperwork off of a typewriter from his jail cell. And that's something that the Supreme Court, from what I understand, doesn't really do often either. And of course, after that, his fate rests in the nation's high court on Monday.
0: I know a lot of people have their eyes on the uh, Texas abortion legislation that is kind of working its way through the court system. And could that potentially, if it works its way quickly, be added to the docket? Or would that take
1: some time to do that? So I I don't want to speak on that one in particular, but I will say one thing. For the Supreme Court, they have this massive Mississippi case coming up on abortion. And so a lot of folks, a lot of state laws are sort of resting on those shoulders. You know, I did a story recently on an Arkansas abortion law that is currently enjoined. Um, but a lot of state laws are trying to pass, you know, they're they're waiting for someone to do something in the Supreme Court. And Texas could be the same way with this Mississippi case. This Mississippi case will tell a lot of things on the abortion front and dictate what a lot of states are able to do. So that is a huge one to look at. And I think that's coming up I don't want to get the date wrong, but I believe it's December arguments.
2: Yep. And something to note on the timing too, is that the, the, our cases might be on Monday, but it takes months even for them to come back with uh, with an answer. So it's just a very long process and you have to be
0: patient. Sure. Nad. I wanted to ask about that. So we are talking about these oral arguments coming up for the fall session, you know, early October next week. But as you just mentioned, Kristen, it seems like some of these could be maybe decided quicker, but a lot of them will take a couple of months to, to
1: get a final verdict, it seems like.
2: I think that's the case. Yeah, Peter, do you have anything to say on that?
1: No, yeah. Usually when your cases are argued about around this time, you'll wait till the spring, it can, can even be summer, um, mid to late summer. It seems like a lot of times,
0: course, the Supreme Court is politicized when politicians run for office, they say, you know, if, if we win, we'll get our justice in the Supreme Court, whatever it is. But in the reality of it for this upcoming session, talking to lawmakers, do they give you any sense of what their thoughts are on uh, to what extent that will come into play in these decisions? Or are lawmakers that you talk to really not thinking about the political side of any of these potential decisions?
1: Well, lawmakers have a lot on their plate right now on their own side of uh, that complex there. The Supreme Court's staring them in the face every day, but I don't know if they ever get the chance to look at it because of what they've got going on. Um, I, I can't say what they think about the politics of the court right now. I will say I know a lot of folks are focused on the fact that we have this abortion case coming up in a, a final, with all of Donald Trump's nominees to the Supreme Court. And it is a conservative court. So I think as far as politics are concerned, they're curious what... Donald Trump's full slate of justices um, could could impact as far as some of these decisions like the abortion case specifically.
0: Peter Zampa, Kristen Casper, from our great TV, Washington, D.C. Bureau, thank you so much for uh, giving us some insight on the cases you're covering. Be fascinating to watch those and whatever else pops up over the next few months.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks.